That's an amazing song. I, uh, I'm, I'm also amazed at how God works. Uh, I didn't tell Greg what I was going to be speaking on this morning. And uh, when I saw this selection, uh, it confirmed to me that, that yes, God was leading me in my message thought. This morning, I'd like for us to turn our attention to uh, Matthew 4. I'd like to read verses 1 through 11. The message title is Temptation. I would like to read the last verse of this song again. Early hastened to the tomb where they laid his breathless clay. All is solitude and gloom. Who hath taken him away? Imagine the disciples getting there to the tomb and seeing it. Everything's solitude and gloom. Christ is gone. And then Christ is risen. He meets our eyes. Savior, teach us so to rise. Go to dark, go to dark Gethsemane. Ye that feel the tempter's power. It's a beautiful song. I'd like to read this these first eleven verses. Let's stand to read the scripture. Matthew four. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve, you shall serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You may be seated. Temptation. I hesitate to even, to even address this subject. Temptation and trial kind of run together, and I'm not sure that I can very well articulate the nuances between the two. Um, and often, oftentimes, when we read about trial and temptation, they're kind of given in the same context. So I think we do well to, to not... Well, I'll back up a little bit. When I look at Job's story, for example, or God's story with Job, 
to, to try to figure out exactly what God was doing and had in mind there, maybe is a, a stretch. God had a divine purpose there. And I think we do well maybe to, to stop at some point when we're looking at temptation and trial. And instead of trying to figure out all the behind scenes, just work with what we know. And uh, this morning I'm going to take that safer route um, and look at, at what I believe the Lord has been speaking to me about and trying to teach me and, and would try to, to teach us as a people of, of His. A quote that I read says this, The devil promises earthly pleasure, the devil promises earthly pleasure in order to rob us of our heavenly reward. The devil promises us earthly pleasure in order to rob us of our heavenly reward. I'd like to look a bit at, at temptation's origin and its form. We go back to Genesis 3, 3, 1 through 5. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree of Eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, gar of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that the day you eat of, your, eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he refuted, he refuted uh, God's message, message to Eve here, with some figments of truth, you could say. Uh, he was telling her, you're not going to really die, meaning trying to tell her, I think, that you're not going to fall over the minute you eat that. And to maybe Eve, it looked like, well, he was saying the truth when that happened. But, of course, God knew that there was something in Eve that would die. And um, that's the way the serpent still works. He's subtle. He's like a serpent. Well, that's the way I should say Satan still works. He's subtle like a serpent. Yesterday, uh, not yesterday, Friday, I stepped outside on our office porch to get a, a breath of fresh air. I was on the phone and stepped out, was talking, and looked around and I saw the tail end of a serpent uh, right over here. And so when I saw the tail, I knew there was more serpents somewhere else. And it caused me to kind of jump around, and, and sure enough, there was a serpent angling in towards the office. I guess he wanted to get in the cooler air. The door was a little open. And I didn't see him there. He's, they're uncanny. They're noiseless. And most of us have probably been startled by a serpent or a snake. Um, hopefully we haven't been bit by one. And we won't be, hopefully. But it could happen. And it makes us, it startles us. Even, that was a black snake. And uh, I knew right away that he didn't pose a huge threat to my life or anything like that. But still startling. Well, the, the devil is subtle like that too. Yea, hath God said. And he comes at times that, that catches us unaware. Does God really mean this? Kind of in the back door. 
Does God really mean this? Think about it. Think about it. Use your common sense. Does God really mean that? And um, God, you know, with the thought, God is unreasonable. <clears throat> you know that 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 tree has got good fruit on it. God is is really he's unreasonable. He you know it's not fair. You you should be able to eat of that. And and you know and then the thought continues. If you follow that pattern, God doesn't really love me. God doesn't really love you if, if he wouldn't let you eat that. And then it goes on, you know, finally you have your punishment. And, you know, God wouldn't really punish. And would he? You know, there are really no consequences. And finally, there's the thought, you know, you are smarter than God. Human wisdom is more expedient and it's more effective than the wisdom and the commandments of God. You're, you can think for yourself. There's always these little thoughts God will overlook. He doesn't see. It doesn't matter to God. Satility. Serpent-like. Isaiah 14.12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. <clears throat> Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Here you have the, the message to the king of Tyre, I believe. But it's also layered, I believe. It's, it's a message relating to, to Satan. And it's that assertive, like the line, no longer like the snake, but like the line, I will. I am, therefore I will. I will go as far as people let me. I will be powerful. I will run my own life. I will use the rules to my advantage. I will not submit unless it serves my own purpose. I will exalt myself by defeating others. I will set my own goals. I will never die by them. I will be my own boss. I will determine my own destiny. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever heard that? Had a man say to me one time, my business is the most important thing in my life. I would, I would you know, do anything not to lose it. And it put a shudder through me because I was, it made me think, you know, that is so, that is so, he, maybe he's saying what so many of us feel about ourselves, what I feel about myself, maybe. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's wrong. That's not God, where God wants us to be. And yet that's where the devil will push us to, the modern I will. That has tantalized so many people, this thing it, that you can be what you, whatever you want to be. Listen to this once. Have you ever heard this? There's inside you all. There is inside you all the potential to be whatever you want to be. All the energy to do whatever you want to do. Imagine yourself as you would like to be, doing what you want to do, and each day, each day, take one step towards your dream. And though at times it may seem too difficult to continue, hold on your dream. One morning you will wake to find that you are the person you dreamed of doing what you wanted to do, simply because you have the courage to believe in your potential and to hold on to your dream. 
Ever heard that? You believe that? That may be true. I don't know. I'm just saying, no, that's scary to me. I know, if what you want to do is what God wants you to do, and that's to line up, and you've submitted your will to the Father, then yes. But um, to feed somebody that you can be whatever you want to be um, is, is to me telling them that you are your own boss and that I will, will rule your life. And you will live or die by that I will. And that's not a fun or a secure or a, an eternally good place to be. Now, I'm not saying that self-determination doesn't have value. It does. If we're not determined, we're not going to get our schoolwork done. If we're not determined, we're not going to get the job done that we have to do. If we're not determined, uh, we're not going to get the goals done that God would have us to do. However, like I said, the I will is only good in our lives as long as it lines up with God's will. And if it doesn't, we better better be quick to change course. James 14, 4.13, along with these, a few verses. Go now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy, sell, and get gain. For as ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And I added in parentheses, and really mean it, for if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We should really mean that. Sometimes it's a little hard to know if we really do mean it. We're brought to places where the Lord puts His finger on our lives maybe and says and touches us in such a way that it makes us squirm. It makes us realize that, uh, that maybe we have some will to give up. So touching on temptation, I'd like to touch on one here that I feel like is peculiar to the Christian. And that is to back earthly ambition with divine power. You know, as a non-believer or an unbeliever, we wouldn't profess to have divine power. Now, of course, there's the occult and they would do that. But we live in more of a secular society as a whole. Uh, and so we're, we're generally not faced with the occult. Not saying that that won't come or that we won't be or that we haven't been. Generally, though, we live in a secular type of mindset that says we can be whatever we want to be. We are our own boss. <clears throat> we live in a society and we play by the rules and we reap whatever benefits of our work. And if we don't work, why we reap whatever benefits there are of that. Um, and it's getting better all the time. Not to say that there's not need for, for help. But, um, so, there is this temptation out there to back earthly ambition with divine power. And I'd like to look at this again in the context of, of Matthew 4. 
I'd like to go through these verses again and, and make some observations here. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then the tempter came to him. So he came to a hungry son of man. And there's always a question, could have Jesus sinned? Could have he, you know, taken the devil's advice? I don't know that it's really a good place for us to go. We don't know. But we know that he was given us, this was put here for an example for us. And he was tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin. So here the devil says, if thou be the Son of God, and basically it's in the Greek, in the, uh, he's not necessarily saying, if you are, he's more acknowledging you being the Son of God, command these, these stones be made bread. Acknowledging Jesus' Lordship. And he's telling him, have you got the authority to do this? Uh, you're hungry, very hungry. You've been without uh, bread for quite a long while. And you can take and you can take these stones and turn them into loaves, make some bread, satisfy your hungry hunger. Anything wrong with that? Asking, is there anything wrong with that? You know, the devil's suggesting there. I mean, Jesus did that. He, he, I don't know that he turned stones into loaves, but he made bread out of nothing and fed 5,000. Uh, let's see what Jesus says. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus tells the devil, I do the will of the Father. And I also, it also implies here that I don't take your suggestions. I'm not listening to you. This is not what the Father's told me. This is not what I've heard from the Father. So therefore, um, it's not legitimate for me. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So then the devil took him to, into the holy city. And he takes him up there to the pinnacle of the temple. And as I understand from the pinnacle of the temple, down was hundreds of feet, maybe 300 feet. And he says, look, if you're the Son of God, cast yourself down. For it's written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. You can't get hurt. His angels, God's angel will bear you up. You're not even your foot will get hurt. Seems to me the devil's saying, dazzle the folks with your power. No worries on your part. The angels will care for you. Imagine the impression that you'll leave the people you know, floating there in front of the temple 300 feet above the ground. Just imagine what kind of impression that will give the people. Again, let's see what Jesus says. He said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. God's power is for His divine use and His divine purpose. It's not a power intended to be used by the will of men. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world 
and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, all these things. It seems to me like by this time the devil is, is almost panicky. He says, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. It seems to me this is the ultimate temptation for Christ. Basically, the devil is saying, bypass the cross. Don't worry. You can have that glory without going to the cross. There's instant glory here. There's instant gratification. There's no suffering. Just fall down and worship me. And Jesus' response, again, stronger than ever. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Move along, Satan. None other but God is to be worshipped. And then we see the devil leaving, obeying the Holy Son of God. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. A few more thoughts concerning this, this above passage. Now again, Jesus more than once, he, he satisfied people with loaves of bread. He turned a couple fishes into many. He turned five loaves into enough to feed a great multitude. A crowd. You know, any lessons for us here? I believe there are. When the devil tells you, you can do it. You can do it. You'd better watch out. You know, power without godly sacrifice is not from God. Power without godly sacrifice is not from God. I want to qualify that. I'm not sure that I have a real good example for that, but I believe that when you have people saying you can do it, and yet there's not a call for submission, there's not a call for on the knees, there's not a call for um, giving of oneself to others. You know, I think it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous proposition. When the devil tells you you can do it, you'd better watch out. Paul says, when I'm weak, then am I, then am I strong. And all, he also says, let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. Again, never try to match the devil's challenges. You know, when he comes and says, you can do it, if you are, you are, now don't be like Balaam and try to figure out how to get the enemy's reward. Don't try to match the challenge. It'll always come at a great personal cost. Don't try to match. Don't do like Balaam and try to figure out how to get the reward. How to do it uh, against God's divine will. Look to where all good comes from when being tempted of the devil. God's will is good for us. He wants the best for us. You know, He's given Himself for us. Even when the best for us causes us pain and sacrifice, we can trust, we have to trust the eternal truth that God's will is good for us. He wants the best. You know, if we don't, 
trust in that. If we don't believe that, um, we need to, to cry out to God for faith. Just like that uh, incident in the New Testament where, where the where uh, I can't remember the, the person even, but he says, Lord, increase my increase my faith. Um, Psalm 106.13 They soon forgot his works. He's talking about the children of Israel. How they'd been blessed so much in their journey, their highs and their lows <clears throat> through the wilderness. So it's a very interesting psalm. Psalm 106. They soon forgot his works. Verse 13. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Now that is a frightening thought that God would grant us our request by our insistence, but in doing that we'd become lean of soul. So going back to there again. Power without godly sacrifice is not from God. Now look where look to where all good comes from. Don't take the devil's don't take the devil's advice. It's not going to be good even if it looks good. Verse 5, when Jesus, when Jesus was taken there to the pinnacle of the temple, he had the power to dazzle the world. Imagine the temptation that may have come his way there. You know, here he was, the, the carpenter from Nazareth, but really the Holy Son of God. And here he had the possibility to, to show his fellow men and the religious elite um, that that he was something much greater than than what they were thinking he was. I don't know if that was a real temptation for him or not. I can imagine it being a temptation. The truth was is that Jesus' ministry was one of changing hearts, not of being a spectacle. And we set ourselves up for great disappointment when we presume on the power of God for our own personal benefit and glory. We set ourselves up for a great disappointment when we do that. I don't know what would have happened if Jesus would have done that. Um, but he didn't. He was in all ways tested like we were, and yet he, he remained faithful. Simon the sorcerer is another example in the early church. He saw that through the laying on of hands that the apostles were able to to, that the Holy Spirit was given to those to those people that the apostles laid hands on him on, and uh, he wanted that power. You know, he had been a a sorcerer. He was a believer, not a believe, but he saw something here significant, and he offered them money. Give me this power also that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter's response, your money perish with you because he thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. And Simon's response there was, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken on may come upon me. 
Peter told him to repent of his wickedness, that the power that uh, God would could, would forgive him. The power of God is abundantly manifest in us already. Let's never forget this: that the power of God is abundantly manifest in us already as children of Christ in that we're delivered from sin, from bondage of the world, in that we're made pure and holy to God. We don't need more than that. That is enough. We don't need to dazzle anyone because that power that God gave us is is more than enough. It's the most He could give. You know, to look for ways to dazzle the crowd is to look for trouble. We only need to be a witness. And if the devil tempts us with that thought, just think what you could do. Um, remind him that he's been defeated. And remind yourself that, that we've already been blessed more abundantly than we could ever imagine. We only need to be a witness to those around us of God's grace. And that's enough. And God wants to take us further than that. He can lead us. Verse 9. Satan takes Jesus and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. All these will I give thee, he says. If Satan made this promise to the Son of God, do you think he would hesitate to make this false promise to you or to me? If he made it to the whole, this promise to the Holy Son of God, you know, in a sense, Satan had that to give. Um, in a sense, but I'd like to look at at his offering here in that sense. Think of the the old Marlboro man, you know, portrayed on the big billboard. He's shown as this young man. He's strong. He's rugged. He's hardy. And he smokes Marlboro cigarettes. I remember working with a man in Pennsylvania. He was, I thought, probably 35 or 40. And he came to work every morning. He would get to work at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And he drove for two hours to get to work. He was a strong young man. A bit taller than me. And uh, he was the kind of person that you would say is very athletic and that many people would look up to. But one thing I noticed is that he smoked all the time. All the time. Marlboro cigarettes. And one day I asked him about it. I said, you know, I forget what his name was, but I said, you know, those things are going to kill you yet. He's like, you don't have any idea. And I said, what do you mean? And I stay awake up all night. Coffin, you should see. And he said, I've tried to get off of these things. I've tried my best. He said, how old do you think I am? And I said, oh, about 35 or 40. No, I'm 25. I can't get over it. He said, I wake up at 2 in the morning. I'm coughing up phlegm. I'm sitting on the side of my bed. Coughing up phlegm. I'm coughing up phlegm. How great is that? Why not one of those signs on the billboards? I felt so sorry for that young man. 
How about putting that ad up? But no, you'll never see the devil put that ad up. Never. It doesn't sell. And he knows it. How about the devil showing a world of many nations, each trying to build, outdo each other in building a large nuclear arsenal so that they can somehow annihilate each other? You know, what's so glorious about that? How about the devil showing the awful effects of warfare in the lives of families, mothers and children, starvation, anguish, theft, rape, maiming, despair. You know, all the devil has to offer is a sin-marred, sin-tainted universe of his own making, of his own design. What's so beautiful about that? What's so glorious about that? The devil seduces with porn, but only delivers shame and unfulfillment. He allures us with the good things in life, but in pursuing those we experience leanness of soul. He leads us to believe as a Christian, it's our right, it's our right to claim all the benefits, but conveniently leaves out that really his singular goal is to deprive us of eternal benefits. He'll never tell us that. Jesus' strongest statement for Satan was at that point, get thee behind me, Satan. And if you think about it, that's what he said to Peter. But he wasn't talking to Peter there when Peter was telling him, no, you don't need to go to the cross. He was saying, get thee behind me, Satan. The cross is my Father's will. The cross I must take because it's my Father's will. Well, does temptation have any benefit? Are there any benefits there? And there could be a whole message preached on just this. But I'd like to, and it's not entirely a negative subject. Temptation does have a purging benefit. It's not a pleasant subject most often. James 1.12 said, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Now, trial and temptation help us to lose or can help us to lose unnecessary and harmful baggage. We had a, a trem tremendous storm here just last week. And it was interesting because before that storm, there was this tree in our driveway that has a lot of dead branches. And that tree um, actually has been a bit of a concern to me. I called my neighbor and asked him, do you think we should just cut that tree down? It kind of borders his, his land and ours. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. My wife likes that tree. And uh, so I kind of let it go. But there's dead branches hanging over our driveway. Well, after that storm was finished, I rode out the lane. And I just spent about 10 minutes pulling dead branches off our driveway. And I was glad for that storm just for that reason. It took out some threat there. There's still tree left standing. In fact, the tree actually looks kind of healthy now. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, it got rid of a lot of debris. And I think trial, temptation has a way of helping us to lose unnecessary baggage. Maybe when that storm comes crashing in, we're in the middle of it, and we realize 
God, you've got to help me. I can, you know, I can't do it by myself. And instead, that I think that God shows us where we need to be. He draws us to him, us to Himself, and out of that comes a healthier soul, a healthier tree. And there are times too that the storms, the trials take out healthy branches. We also had a very nice Bradford pear. And it's still nice, but it's missing a main branch because of that storm. A nice main branch. And you know, we don't know exactly how to explain that. That tree was complete with that branch. And yet it was taken out. And yet there again, as people, as Christians, children of God, there again is a time for us to, to draw near to God, to, to draw in, to look for Him for sustenance and help. And we can become healthier because of that. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. The storms, the trials make us stronger as well. They help us to be able to reach out to others, to see the sin from the sinner, to divine the sin and the sinner, to, to see the difference, to know how we can help without it affecting us negatively. You know, God doesn't want us to crawl in a hole. He doesn't want us to disappear from society. He wants us to be a light, to be a, a witness. And, and these trials and these temptations, I believe, have a way of strengthening us have a way of, uh, even when they vex our souls, like it talks about in Lot's life, life um, and trials and temptations should vex our souls. Uh, they should make us um, upset. But they should also make us look to God, make us healthier, make us look for the right way, ready to give the, the good message to people, the good news of salvation. So let's persevere. Let's stand firm, knowing that there is temptation, that we can escape it. There will be trials. But God wants the best for us. And He doesn't want us to take the devil's route of no pain but false gain. He wants us to experience um, Gethsemane so we can experience Him. And I think that involves every area of our lives. God bless you.